0: Well, hello and welcome back to the Leverage Street podcast. I'm Craig Shoemaker and today's guest is Tyler Tote. Tyler is voted by Forbes magazine, popular mechanics, and my Twitter feed as the most popular guy on Twitter. Tyler, welcome to the show.
1: <laughs> that's, a pretty, that's a pretty awesome intro. Maybe, maybe one out of those three are, are actual facts, <laughs> but not, I'll take it, man.
0: <laughs> well, that's what we can strive for, right? We'll get that's there.
1: Right. <laughs> Two out of three dentists approve. One out of three of Craig's recommendations is actually right. actual, man. I, I'm, I'm honored to be on, brother. You're a guy that I've connected with pretty early on, man, in my journey. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think a lot of you, as a man, as a dad, as as you know, I'm already learning things from you, even as we chat off the off the podcast. <laughs> so I'm really honored to be on here, man. Thanks for having me,
0: dude. I, that means a lot to me to say that when, when I started the show. Really, honestly, one of the first things I thought of was like, if I could just get Tyler to come on the show, that would be like the coolest thing ever.
1: (laughs) Well, let's make some magic happen, brother. Absolutely. So when I think about
0: your, your life, your story, um, your positioning when it comes to to being in public. It's it's kind of a, a story of juxtapositions. You know, you're this Christian that spends a lot of time in casinos. You are prominent on money, Twitter, but you're not trying to build a huge empire. And I'm just curious, like, what's it like sort of straddling some of these opposing forces?
1: That's a great question, man. And something that I think I've always grown up with sort of like an addictive personality. And so I, I came up with a lot of strategies around this to. I do a monthly audit on myself just to make sure I'm still aligned with where I want to be. And I pray. I mean, I, I'm a very big proponent. I wake up every day. You asked me how I started my day. 450, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm up pretty much every day before my family. I try and get in the word every day, uh, You know, pray a lot, a lot of songs and, and fellowship with God. And I always start there. And so I just pray every day that there's a little less of Tyler and a little more of Jesus in Tyler. And so you know, I do get hate sometimes from people telling me, you know, Christians shouldn't be in tank tops as much as you are shirtless or uh, shouldn't be playing poker or, you know, things like that. And, it, you know, ultimately it's my walk with with Christ. And if, you know, I'm actually on a 30-day poker fast, which I've called it. Uh, wow. is I did feel, feel myself kind of going a little more towards that. And so I recently, this is day six, uh, just said, hey, God, I'm going to take that time about an hour or two a day that I normally play. Or study the game and and kind of give that to you and see if maybe you have different plans for it at this season. So always try and be very intentional about where I'm putting my best energy, my best focus. And I think doing a monthly audit really accomplishes that. Uh, Another couple things I do is before I go to bed every night, get on my knees, pray, and just ask God to search me, let me know the directions he wants me to go. I map out where a lot of my my next day is going to go and where I want my best energy to go. And so being really intentional, you know, not not be right. on autopilot, man. We just see too many yeah. people that kind of wake up without a plan, right? Well, let's, what are we going to do today? I don't know. Whatever comes. How are we going to feel? I don't know. Whatever comes. And it's. I, I want to be the opposite of that, man. I think I want to wake up with a pretty specific mission every day, go inject positivity life into everybody I'm around and be really mindful of, of kind of my goals and where I want to get to.
0: That the word intentional uh, is so powerful and so meaningful. And I, it's something that's kind of stuck with me even since... Uh, I, my college days and, and, you know, being with my friends and trying to like sort of have a life that's not like you say, just something that you go from moment by moment and you turn around and you just realize like, well, where did it all go? I mean, that is, I think it's such a powerful thing to, to really focus in on what it means to be intentional.
1: I, I definitely agree, man. And I used to think, you know, five, six years ago, if you had asked me, I would have said, you know, well, my boss will dictate how this day's goes. That mm. the customers or clients or people I interact with, that'll that'll determine whether I have a good day or not. And I think somewhere along the line, I just, you know, I felt like kind of a tug and, and God saying, hey man, you know, read the Bible. Like, look, I, I didn't make most of these people's <laughs> lives easy, right? I'm not, right. I'm not saying you're gonna have an easy life, but you always have a choice of how you respond and and the kind of person that you're gonna be each day. And it doesn't mean we're gonna be perfect, but it means we can always strive to just be a little bit better. Yeah. I think that's my goal every single day, just be a little bit better.
0: So let's dive into this, this poker fast for a second, because (laughs) I mean, that's part of how you support your family, right?
1: Oh yeah, man. It's about 20 to 25% of my income.
0: So that, that's not a small amount. Um, so (laughs) I'm curious, like you must have some pretty interesting stories about (laughs) games that were maybe going one way and took a sudden turn, but then you ended up pulling it off in the end. Like what, what have those experiences
1: been like for you? Crazy, man. So yeah, really, I guess a little backstory. When I was 20, um, I deposited $60 into an online poker site at college. (laughs) And uh, I turned that into about 60 grand within like six to eight months and just realized I had a knack for this. And I so I started studying, buying books, uh, dropped out of college, much to my parents' dismay. <laughs> you know, the next year, I think my GPA went from 3.7 to 1.9 once I discovered poker. Because I just, Role model you know, of the year. <laughs> yeah, man, my, my parents were not stoked. And now that I'm a dad, I think about my kids coming home saying, you know, I'm, I'm gonna change career courses. And so right. I was a professional poker player for nine and a half years. That's the only income I had. Um, and then when I got married with my wife, And we had our daughter. I decided I'm gonna go back to college, so I went back to college, and then did the corporate thing for five or six years. And but poker's always been a part of. It paid my way back through college. I was playing while I was, you know, I'd go to night classes and be in the back and playing a little bit, you know, and getting notes. And so it's always been a part of my life for 19 years. um, I've had one month that I've lost money at poker, and every other month I've won money. So I've been like a model of consistency. And and I'm grateful for the game because it's really developed a mindset. For me, of you know, you mentioned when bad things happen. Well, in poker, you know, a lot of times, man, I can think the biggest pot I lost of my life. I was a ninety-three percent favorite to win thirty-three thousand dollars, and he hit the seven percent card, and I lost, Mm -hmm. and I had to push over thirty-three thousand dollars of real money to an opponent. But I'll never forget, man. That was seven, eight years into me being a poker pro, and I literally told the guy, "Hey, man, great hand," Uh, you know. I went bowling with buddies that night, never talked about it. Nobody knew I had lost that money or, you know, and so you have to just sort of say and develop that mindset again of, I can't control the outcome of a lot of things, but I can control my process. I can control how right. disciplined I am. I can control how I react. So I'm grateful for poker that it really taught me that. And I think even with social media growth, right? Like, uh, and I felt this tug to start posting on Twitter 38 months ago. I had exactly zero followers. Right. And so for four, five, six months, you're tweeting at a wall. I mean, I would put right. tweets out, and I think, oh, this is a banger. This is going go. <laughs> to go. I would check back four hours later at work, and no, and nobody liked it. And so I don't like <laughs> it. Just to get one like, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and and it really developed that. Okay, you know, I can't control who might like it, who might click follow, who might unfollow, but I can control that I tweet three, four times a day. I can control that I engage. I can. Here's the processes that I can like get obsessed with and kind of control. And that's led to, you know, here I sit 38 months later with 110,000 followers on Twitter and just crazy things, right? But I think right. if I hadn't developed that early on with poker, uh, I just would have quit. And I think that's what most people do two, three months in, they have this vision of where they want to go. It's a couple months in, you're not seeing much fruit, but it's life's kind of like that, right? It's like, you mm-hmm. got to put in a lot of work and you might eh, step forward, step back, then all of a sudden you get this massive catapult. And so right. poker helped me develop that, I think, in life quite a bit.
0: A lot of this like comes down to mindset and like, there's so many different like directions I want to go based off of what you just said. Um, But I I think it's interesting. So you were a professional poker player. You made it to kind of the the upper echelons of that sort of game. You accumulated a lot of wealth. I know that, uh, you know, you started buying some things and started living that life a little bit. And I'm just curious because there's this cliche that says money doesn't buy happiness, right? Mm-hmm. But having no money is really uncomfortable. And I'm just curious, knowing that you've been at, you know, the different sides of the spectrum on this, like how do you interpret that for yourself and for others?
1: Yeah, I think it's really, okay, if you have no money, there's a season that you need to grind, right? Like if you're a dad and, and we're literally talking, you're having a hard time paying mortgage or rent or putting food on the table, uh, there's a time to put your head down and go drive an Uber at night after you work all day. You know, my, my father did that. Uh, he was he was my dad when we were eight or nine. I remember. I think Jimmy Carter was president, and interest rates literally went from like eight percent to twenty two. And and to keep our house, my dad had to work all day, come home, and roof houses at night, and do side jobs every weekend. And that's how our family kept our house. Now that was a season. And when I think back to my childhood, the thing I always think is my dad was there. You know, he, he wasn't right. like a workaholic. He was there. But I think every man, you have to have a basic level of I'm going to provide. Right. But let's be honest. Most people listening to this podcast. <laughs> most of the people we know in our circles, we are far beyond that point. Uh, you know, to us, wealth looks a lot different than it looks to most people, even around the globe or even 100 years ago. Right. Like it's right. accumulating a lot of stuff that we probably don't need. And so, you know, when I got really into poker, you know, as a 21-year-old kid, I made $340,000 that year. So you pay 120 dollars in taxes and you still got <laughs> oh, a wow. lot of money. <laughs> My rent was $300 in college, right? Oh, my so gosh. I had a lot of disposable income. <laughs> right. And, and I bought myself a brand new sports car. And I took a bunch of great vacations and bought a fancy watch and all this stuff. And I did that for the next probably six or seven years. And what I really came to realize from that and even being in the circles I was in, you know, I wasn't near the top of poker. I was a couple couple rings down, but I knew most of those guys who were mm-hmm. I mean, one guy in particular who was worth about 50 million from poker. And, and he was Gee, that's years old. Yeah, 50. Yeah. One of the greatest players to ever play the game. And I was at a nightclub with him. I remember when I was like 27, 28. And this table that we had at the nightclub cost 50 grand. And then he he, oh and he covered it for everybody. The dinner we went to before with about 16 people was a $9,000 dinner. Uh, you know, it, just the <laughs> stupidest stuff you could ever imagine, right? And I remember going up to him at 3 in the morning. I might have been intoxicated, a couple, you know, a couple of drinks. And I, Maybe. I said, brother, like, you made it. You made it, man. Like, you got every – he had he an had $800,000 car. It was like one of 100 custom made – this guy had everything, right? In my eyes, as a 27-year-old guy, he had everything. Right. And I will never forget what he told me at 3.30 in the morning. He looked me dead in the eye and he said, all this is nothing. He goes, Ty, I was happier when I was grinding low stakes. And he goes, listen to me when I tell you this. There's a nightclub conversation at three in the morning. He said, look, he put his hand on my shoulder. and He said, look, you know, I always told myself I'll be happy when I make a hundred grand. I'll be happy when I make 500. If I just become a millionaire, I'll be happy. I just get to 5 million. I can buy the car. I got freedom. (laughs) I got every, I'll I'll be happy then. 20 million, 30. It's never enough. And he said, if you're not happy with where you're at right now, you can buy a temporary dopamine hit of happiness when you buy the car, when you buy the watch, but it goes away and you got to have something bigger in you. And I watched him quit poker not that long after we had that talk. And He moved away. He was a TV guy on all the time. You don't see him anymore. He got married. He's got a bunch of kids. Occasionally he'll post something with riding his dirt bikes with his kids. But I think once you get to that level, you hear guys like Jim Carrey had a famous quote where he said, I wish everybody would become rich and famous and accomplish all their dreams so they'd realize it's not the end all be all. There's a reason we see celebrities that are miserable and a lot of these people that quote unquote have everything. And I think I got to experience a little bit of that. Um, You know, I had all the nicest stuff. And everybody was telling me, man, you should be really happy. And I wasn't happy. Uh, if I'm really honest, looking back in my 20s, it was always, I'll be happy when right. I got a $60,000 car, but my buddy's got a $200,000 car. I'll be happy when I get that.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah. And if you, I think that plagues a lot of people, especially in our consumer type of society and what changed my life and opened my eyes. I'm super grateful, Craig. I, I know I've talked to you a little bit about off stream, but it's my wife. Uh, you know, she's, the smartest person I've ever met, she's got a PhD from Purdue, came out, graduated, and she was ready to make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, getting recruited by all these companies. And she felt a tug from God to go take a mission trip. And she did. And she went and lived over there after that for six months, made connections with preachers and other other people on the ground, started a nonprofit, didn't get paid for five and a half years at that nonprofit. Just, just wow. felt the calling. Did She walked dogs. She babysat. She, she taught a little bit here and there just because she felt like that was her calling. A lot of people called her foolish. What are you doing? You could be you could be making all this money, right? Yeah. But now I look back at 17 years later that the kids that she started with in second and third grade, and I've been on six mission trips with her now, uh, they've graduated college. Their whole lives have changed, right? She's yeah. changed the lives of these people. And I look at her and I say, she's the most fulfilled person I've ever met not because we got the fanciest stuff, man. You, you see my background. It's, 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 it's <laughs> hanging on our wall, man. We really don't, uh, you know, we don't make a ton of money in comparison to a lot of the people I know, but man, I will put our peace and our joy mm. and our contentment and our laughter and, and all that up against anybody, because I don't think we chase kind of the same things anymore.
0: Well, okay. So this leads perfectly into, I, I don't remember if you and I were having a one-on-one conversation or if it was something that you did in public, but you were talking about how at one point you were set, like you had this, this plan, you had this vision of, of, okay, I can take my coaching business to like this next level and I can do this, that, and the other. And then uh, was it a mentor? It was one of your friends that shared with you the story of the Mexican fisherman. Yep. Dan right.
1: Joe is his name on Twitter, but yeah, okay. Dan, just a, he's a fantastic, he's a business coach. That's what he does. And I was trying to hire him to help me scale my business. <laughs> you know? and, uh, Can I
0: give you some money? I mean, come yeah, on. <laughs> I was trying
1: to, man. Hey man, you know, I have a lot of clients booked out, but I'm only one guy. What do I do? You know, I'm making, let's say six to 8,000 a month, but everybody else is telling me with the following I have, I should be making 60,000 a month. And I started right. to see these things. Right. And so I hired him. And he he ended up not even charging me, man. He's such a great guy. But what he did was just ask me a lot of these questions. He said, hey, Ty, why'd you want to get out of corporate? He said, I don't want to run meetings. I don't want to have people reporting me. I don't <laughs> want to do that, you know? He said, well, what would you do with the extra money? Probably donate it, <laughs> you know? Right. I don't know. We got paid off cars. We got, I, I don't know, you know? What, you know, are you willing to work 10 and 12 hours a day as to whereas now you work two or three, you know? That would mean a lot less family time, a lot less mm-hmm. of the things you preach. You, you know, you got to understand that. And once I really started to think about it, it just clicked, man. Um, I have everything I want right now. Uh, we don't have the fanciest stuff, man. Again, bro, I barely wear shirts. You know, I threw one on. <laughs> I barely <laughs> wear shirts. Hop on your podcast, brother. But like... <laughs> I don't think I bought myself a new shirt or new shoes or fancy stuff in in decades, man. You know, some of the shirts I wear are still old T shirts that you know you get when you <laughs> donate to a charity. They send you a shirt, you know. Right. Um, I drive an eight year old car. You know, I I, I yeah. just it, those things don't. I the this is a Zuby bracelet, right? I don't. I sold yeah. my watches. I used to have a couple fancy watches. They don't mean anything to me anymore. And so, yeah. you know, what means the most to me, and what I think if most people really took a step back. And you ask them what really makes you happy. It's not having a forty thousand dollars chandelier in your house. It's not. It's not driving a super expensive car. That's what society will tell you. But what really matters to me is having time with my family, having time to, to take my kids to the park every day, having time to being, being able to pick my daughter up from school and take her straight to dance and cheer her on and like be that dad, right? And so. Right even having time to hop on something like this with a guy that I admire and respect like you, that means a lot to me, you know? And so I think everybody needs to start to ask themselves those questions. By the, by the time we're 18, man, Craig, we've seen a hundred thousand commercials programming. Oh, uh, <laughs> the, the guy with the Lexus and the mansion and the yep. watch, he's happy, you know? Is he really? <laughs> he's nah. working 90 hour weeks to get that stuff. He's dead. He's dead up to his ears. Is he really happy? You know? Nah. So I think it's, we should all ask ourselves these questions, what really makes us happy and then start to cut the lifestyle and start to understand that a lot of times buying this stuff isn't it.
0: Yeah. So, and as I think our culture informs us in ways that oftentimes we're not aware. And so I'm curious, like even having that North star to, to shoot towards, right? What do you do when uncertainty creeps in?
1: It, it is right now. If I'm honest, this is a good time to talk through in real time. This would be therapy for me, man. So, <laughs> because I'm, you know, we have one outstanding debt right now. Interest rates are going way through the roof, right? And again, we're comfortable. It's like I could probably not work or bring in income for several years, and we're still going to be able to eat, right, and pay bills. Right. But as a man, you're always you always got to raise it up, right? <laughs> I can it? do better. I can yeah, do more. Right? And and so not being able to log on. And just play poker and win money when I when I kind of whenever I want, right? Is has been a challenge. And it's been a thing where I think I need to even give that over to God and say, again, what's my North Star? You mentioned that. What's my rock? You know, for a Mm -hmm. while I made my rock, status, money, parties, things. That's sand, man. That that's quicksand. That goes away. But if my rock and I say, Well, who am I really? I'm a child of God. Well, God says in Matthew, you know, look at the birds of the air they don't know where their meal's coming tomorrow, but but I take care of them. Do you not think I love you more than them? <laughs> mm. and so that's my rock. And that's where I'm always going to go back to just to trust God. And you know, ultimately, I wouldn't have given up the poker uh, had I not had this deep relationship with God and really felt the tub to. To be honest, it started with a guy in my DMs, a former professional baseball player who just challenged me and said, and you posted a lot about Twitter lately, Have you or about poker lately on Twitter. Have you you know, are you getting back into it? Are you this? And that? I started chatting with him a little bit. He's a really interesting guy. And that night I had a dream about giving up poker. I started journaling about it the next day and I really felt a tug from God. Maybe you are putting a little too much emphasis on your talents, on your mm. abilities. Maybe you need to lean into me a little bit more, you know? So right. that's where that came from. But yeah, ultimately if it's not if it's not God and a deep relationship with something bigger than yourself, I feel like it's just quicksand. I think that's,
0: <laughs> that's the hard part. For me, it's the hardest part about leaning on something that's not yourself because we've all been given uh, a, a number of gifts and abilities and proclivities. And, you know, like what you're modeling right now is to say, I have this faucet that I can turn on and a lot of water can come out of that faucet, but I'm choosing to turn it off right now. Like it's just so much easier said than done to be able to actually do that.
1: Yeah, and then it creeps in like, look, if, if I don't play for four or five months, I don't know if I can keep winning, right? Because it's, right. it's like one of those things you have to kind of keep getting better at. Or, or So there is a definite level of trust and, and faith in it. But ultimately, I have to go back to – I've always said like, look, even with my Twitter, uh, if God told me tomorrow I felt like, hey, man, I don't want you on social media anymore, I'll make one video and say thanks for the ride. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I really want to live with that kind of faith because right. – I've driven my own ship, I've captained my own ship to, to many different avenues and thought this will bring me happiness, peace, joy, contentment. Nothing has except Jesus Christ, if I'm very honest, except mm. a daily going back and surrendering to him. And so if I really want that kind of life, man, uh, to me, it's it's a pretty easy choice. It doesn't seem easy from a distance probably to yeah, just, just, just make less money, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, But but yeah, I think if I don't start everything in my life with faith and center from there, my marriage isn't as good. uh, My presence isn't as good. My joy isn't as good. The people I'm affecting around me, it's not as powerful. I mean, bro, I prayed for a thousand followers on Twitter and said, hey, God, could I impact (laughs) one or two people? Could I maybe sell a few ebooks and retire from the bank at 60 instead of 62? You know, that's what I prayed for. And, and to see what God has done with that, um, you know, again, hundreds of thousands. I mean, I do, I do 15 million people see my tweets every month now, That's which incredible. is just mind blowing. You know, yeah. the impact. I There's not a day that goes by I don't wake up and have somebody in my DM saying, man, like that message is exactly what I needed for my marriage, for my faith, for my fitness, for my habit, whatever that is. Right. And so the right. impact has just been crazy. The financial blessings through Twitter have just been unbelievable, man. To to be constantly booked up with one on one coaching, and I don't even advertise this, man. I didn't even about <laughs> to be a coach. <laughs> I just have people show up in my DMs and ask me to coach them around mindset, marriage, fitness, health, habits. Right? Like I've been booked for three years straight on this stuff, and I don't advertise. How long? Oh yeah, three gosh. years straight. I haven't had a lull. Not one crazy. month. And so I have to go back to look. If I look back at the history of my life. I got to trust God and I got to start there. Right. Otherwise what's even the, what's even the point?
0: I love that. I love every single bit of that. Okay. You've made a shift. You've been a captain of your own ship for a while. What color was the chair that you sat in the day you quit your corporate job?
1: Oh man. Uh, it was a big chair. I was in, let's see, brown, brown, leather, big chair, big, yeah. big brown leather <laughs> chair. And what yeah. was that
0: conversation like for you?
1: It was awesome, man. It was a miracle. Um, so at that point, I had first of many, I wouldn't say first, but one of many miracles. I'd, I'd had many conversations with God recently. So we were in the pandemic. And, uh, <laughs> Quit your job in was, the pandemic. Uh, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, I was tasked at that time with uh, staying pretty late and helping a lot of our small business customers. So there were several nights around there that I was not, I was leaving at 530 in the morning and getting home at nine at night. And uh, and I had I had about twenty five thousand Twitter followers. I was coaching four or five guys on the side. I knew I had this ability to play poker and make more money. And so every day, pretty much on my drive to work, I'd beg God, uh, "Is it time? Can it be time? You know, I'm ready. I'm ready." You know, um, I'd I'd cry some of the some of the days in there, just knowing I'm going into this job that I didn't really love. But I felt like God had me there, and I thought it was to impact somebody. Like, well, there's got to be some client or somebody that staff member that I'm supposed to impact. So I'd go in there with a good mindset, do my best every day. And I thought it was for that. Coolest thing ever, brother. Two weeks before I quit, uh, one of the guys that gets transferred into my branch, his wife just so happens to be really high up in DCFS. Uh, my wife and I are fostering children at this time. We've had three or four in and out of our house that we were privileged enough to reunite back to good homes. And she tells me, I got this boy, his name's Kingston. He has a lot of medical troubles, but, uh, if you guys would be willing to take him, you could probably adopt him, right? He's got nobody speaking up for him.
0: Hmm.
1: So we take him uh, and he becomes my first son and we do adopt him six, seven months later. And about two weeks after that happened that we got Kingston, my assistant manager came up to me and basically said, Hey, Ty, we love having you here. Uh, you're a really fun boss. You let us play basketball a lot and take walks, <laughs> <laughs> all these things, but, uh, it just doesn't seem like your heart is here. Like you don't, you know, like when you're working and talking about these other things you're building, you're more passionate. And this is somebody who's lower than me. So it took a lot of courage for her to say, to come up and say that. And I knew at that moment, that was what I'd prayed for. God gave me that sign uh, through her. And so I I did, I text my wife right after that and said, it's time. Uh, I'm going to call my boss. I called my boss. It was not received great. (laughs) I can only imagine. He said, hey, man, once you go down, you'll never come back up. I don't think you should do this. And, uh, you know, and I said, hey, man, I ended up working another like eight or 10 weeks till they could fill my spot. I said, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll come in and do my best still every day. But this is something I feel called to do, you know. Yeah, Uh, that particular boss never spoke to me again, still hasn't to this day. (laughs) But, uh, but, you know, some corporate corporate guys are like that. Most of the other people received it really well in my company and were congratulatory. And I think thought I was nuts. Like, you're going to go do Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's a job, Tyler, you know. Right. uh, yeah, it's, it's worked out extremely well in the way that it should have. And and I really felt like, again, trusting God with that. Cause I was ready to quit. Again, I had the clients, I had all these other things, right? but I never would have adopted our son. Uh, you know, had I not been faithful and stayed through that last couple months of that.
0: Well, and I, that, that's how we connected was the, the, right. the thread that you, uh, talked about the, the adoption, your adoption story, which, hmm. you know, resonated with me so much because, um, uh, we, my daughter came to us through uh, a situation to where, you know, the birth parents were not able to, to care for her. And we ended up adopting her after a lot of, <laughs> as you know, um, so I, you know, I just, I have such a heart for people who, who step into that space and, and, and face the things that you have to face. Uh, to know that there's, there's kids in vulnerable places that don't have the love and the care that they need. So um, yeah, I just, I feel akin to you uh, for a lot of different
1: reasons. Yeah. Same. I think, you know, people that haven't been through that foster and adoption don't quite understand the heartache. Um, you know, my wife and I hopped on a call with a guy that I coached a couple years ago, just this week, cause they're getting into it. And some of those feelings, I mean, it's a very unnatural thing, right? To have a child be taken from their home and you raise, you know, you're so sad for those parents. Yeah, You're sad for that child, but you want to be a part of the solution and help. You'll have other people chime in and maybe not say nice things, what they've heard in the past about like foster homes or you're stealing kids and things like, you know, like you hear a lot of negative stuff in it. But I think when you want to just be a part of the solution, right? My wife and I said, how can we best change the world? Change the life of a few kids, right, and, yeah. and take them out of that situation. I know you guys have done the same, and it's it's a very rewarding thing, man. That I, I don't think people that have been outside of it, it's it's really hard to connect with them on a level that say we could connect because we've both been through it.
0: You yeah. Know? Well, and it's just you know when when a child is vulnerable and put right in front of you, and you already love them, it's like how do you how do you not not do that? Like it's yeah. So it's it's 100%. beyond me. The, the the difficulties that some people uh, place in that situation, but right. okay, so um, I'm gonna change subjects a little bit here for a second. Let's do it. <laughs> How's Uncle Elon doing? And when you guys are at the barbecue, can I come? I mean, you know,
1: <laughs> man, that's been pretty crazy, dude. So yeah, he's uh, he's commented on a couple of my tweets in the last few weeks, and then he liked another one here the other day. Right. Uh, a yeah. Response that I had to one of his so. I went full on for it, man. Yesterday, and just just put a shout out and said, "Hey, Elon, let's let's quit dancing around this. You know? <laughs> like, we, we've obviously got something here, That's right? right. <laughs> Call me, maybe. That's great. Right. Call me, maybe, man. So so I, I volunteered my services to be the chief positivity and mindset officer at Twitter. I was spread joy and positivity. <laughs> Dude, and, do we need that? <laughs> I just thought, you know, they rigged the algorithm for so long, and it, you know, he's exposed a lot of that with the Twitter files now that. They right. literally rigged it to suppress a lot of <laughs> some of these viewpoints and I don't really want to get into it, but I thought, right. let's rig the algorithm for joy, man. Let's rig right. the algorithm so everybody's seeing like they wake up, they log on to Twitter and they're happier. <laughs> like, yes. How cool would that be, man? So uh yeah, it's been really neat. I, I think Twitter and social media in general, it's just so cool that an average dude just like me, that just a dad and, you know, doing his thing mm-hmm. can have access to the richest guy in the world and can actually have a couple back and forth with a guy like that. Right. It just shows the power of social media. I mean, even you and I, Craig, if you really think about it, fifty years ago, brother, we there's a zero percent chance we would have known each other. Never. Uh, You were just kind of, you knew your coworkers, you knew your neighbors. And let's be honest, if they sucked, if they were negative, (laughs) that's what you had, man. (laughs) That's just all you had. Now I can go online. I can build community with people all over the world. I can find like-minded dads, husbands, Christ followers, you know, and I can connect with those people. I can pour into them. They can pour into me. I don't take that gift lightly. You know, I think that's such an amazing gift that we have nowadays.
0: And that's such a good, uh, a powerful point because uh, what, what's the cliche? You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, right? So yeah. now, because of the connectedness of our society and the the availability of social media, like I can choose who those
1: five people are going to be. Yes. And that uh, it makes such a huge difference. It's so, and we tell our kids, you know, as a dad, like, look, my daughter's seven and a half. I'm already pre, I hear that all the things you think you'll never say as a dad, you end up saying, you oh, know? So, yeah. I mean, I'm telling her <laughs> right. if you hang around those kids, you'll end up like those kids, you know, you That's already right. hear myself saying these cliche things, but I think as adults, we almost forget that sometimes, you know, and we really are. If, if I hang around and, and I did it, you know, back in my early thirties, I hung around a lot of guys who went to the bar a lot yeah. and watched sports and complained about their wives. Right. You know what I ended up doing? Going to bars guess. a lot, you know, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. And now that I surround myself with these guys that are just, you know, call it higher vibration, whatever you want to be, they, they have this growth mindset of I just want to be a better husband, a better father, a better Christ follower, a better my all these things, man. That's that injects into your mind. I mean, again, Proverbs, as a man thinketh, so is he. Let's put those inputs, let's be very mindful of those inputs and who we're allowing to come into our mind.
0: Hmm. All right. So I have, I've one more like cautionary tale question, and then I want to make sure we end on an up note, but sure. you've had the opportunity to coach I, dozens, maybe in the hundreds of, uh, of people. And, and I'm curious, no personal details, nothing like that, but are there patterns that you see? And, and I'm looking for, for something maybe different or deeper than all the stuff we've already talked about, but mm-hmm. are there any patterns that you see among the people that you spent time with? That is just self-sabotage. Like this just mistakes and things that they do over and over again.
1: hundred percent, man. I've been privileged not to coach. Uh, I think I'm nearing 300 to be honest. Oh my honest. gosh. Wow. Clients, yeah. But If you count group coaching and, and some right. other things right. like that. Yeah. Uh, number one thing then is a self-limiting belief always. And, and so I had this for a while. You know what, Craig, I'm just not a morning person. You know mm. what, man? I'm just full of anxiety. <laughs> That's just who I am. Right. I just, I just don't like that thing. Okay, man, how long are you going to continue to tell yourself that? And when I really look at it, what I think that is, is the enemy just telling you who you are. Right. And so now brother, I shout back (laughs) 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 "He who lives in me is greater than those voices that you're telling me. You know, I I just preached my first sermon (laughs) on David, man. And, and, you know, oftentimes that giant, which is Goliath in his case, but in our in our lives, I think that giant is in our mind, right and it's mm-hmm. telling us all those self-defeating thoughts. You're just trapped in this marriage, man. there's no way out. You're, you've got a roommate marriage. this is how it's gonna be. Mm-hmm. Your wife is negative, and that's how it's gonna be. That's it. You're done. Hey, you're just stuck at this job, man. you're not good enough to do anything else anyway. You can't pivot out, man. Just you're comfortable, just just stay in there everybody, you know, you're, you're close to 40, man. Everybody gets fat when they're 40, right? (laughs) That's, that's what you, it's just who you are, man. It's just what happens. Right. Right. And once you start to identify everything I believe is a choice, every single thing I choose to believe is a choice. You can start shouting back at that voice and you can start saying, you know what? I may not be a morning person today, but tomorrow I'm gonna get a little better at it. And you know Mm -hmm. how I'm going to do that? By proving to myself over and over and over again. And I always say, you know, each decision we make, man, every decision point is a vote for the person we're gonna be. And we're getting 1% better with that vote or 1% worse. And you have control of every vote of that. And so, you know, a lot of times you see people too that I that I coach that self-limiting belief is one. And then two, I I I don't know if I coined this, but I'm big on it, is just stacking wins. And little daily non-negotiable habits. So you see a lot of these people that will come to me and say, I lost 40 pounds, but I put I put back on 50. And then I lost 30, but I put back on right. 20. And I've just yeah. yo-yoed for a decade. And so, okay, you know, let's identify a lot of your daily patterns, a lot of your daily habits, and add little things in that are very enjoyable to you. So, you know, again, if if I'm trying to get better at fitness. Uh, I don't want to only eat vegetables and things I don't like because that's not very sustainable, right? So I need to find foods I like and I enjoy that are also healthy and make that a lifestyle. Uh, You know, I don't like to run. I'll be very open. I don't like it. So I take a lot of walks and I play pickleball and tennis and Frisbee with buddies. And that's how I get my cardio in, right? I I create a lifestyle around things I like. Uh, If I'm coaching guys in marriage, right? And they just come and say, again, that self-limiting belief, I'm stuck. You know, I had one client come to me, Craig, and said, you know, me and my wife haven't been intimate in 12 years. Uh, We haven't so much as kissed in a decade. Uh, We're complete roommates, and that's just who it is. We've both basically said our youngest kid is is 13, and in five years, we'll get a divorce. We're staying together for them. Mm -hmm. That's how he came to me, right? And so, again, we started to break down his day. Where does best energy go, right? Well, he felt validated at work. So he put a lot of his best energy into work. He'd given up in this other area. So we just started to start to change the tiny daily little habits, just thanking her. That's all we did for the first month or so, just saying thank you a lot more. I appreciate you. I see you leaving a little note here and there, right? Uh, and then three and a half months in, like this guy, I'll never forget the day. He called <laughs> me and he said, you know, skyrockets in flight time. <laughs> you know, we're, we're back, baby, you know? But it's not this magic pill, it's the little daily habits, right? And I think that's too often humans, we, we overestimate what we can accomplish uh, in a day or three days or five days. Well, I went to the gym for a week and I only lost a pound, so I quit. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I, well, I was nice to my wife for three nights. Well, yeah, bro, she knew you only wanted sex. You know, <laughs> That's the only reason you were being nice to her. So Right. You know, but if you have a longer term vision, we often underestimate what we can accomplish there. And so I challenge a lot of clients to take a six month, take a one year vision with me, dream with me in that way. Where's your life going to be in a year? I have them write a letter to themselves often. Uh, this is where we're going to be in a year. And then we reverse engineer it back and we say, how, what's the daily habits we can do to create that? It's pretty powerful exercise for them.
0: Uh, it, it's funny. And and uh, this is the, the second conversation today that I've had about starting with the end in mind and then working your way back. Totally different context. The exact same tactic though. It's, it it's awesome.
1: A lot of successful people do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So usually what I do is I close the show by asking for three tactics that people can employ based off of what we've been talking about, but you just gave me two, which is <laughs> awesome. So you like read my mind of where we were going to go next. <laughs> so if we are going to land the plane, what's like one last thing that you would want to leave people with?
1: Then. Solve your why first, um, you know, for me uh, at age 34 and a half, I kind of had a second awakening, a sort of revival uh, where I just I realized I wasn't being the guy that I could be. I was 20 pounds overweight and I hadn't lifted weights in two years. <laughs> so That <it> wasn't muscle. <laughs> uh, you know, I was laying on the couch watching football all day, going to bars a lot. Um, And just really had a a thing that I wasn't being who I wanted to be. And so I remember getting out a journal that night and I wrote down why it was so important that I change a lot of these routines and habits. And the thing that I wrote and identified for myself was ultimately, again, I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, well, what if? Hmm. Who could I have impacted if I had been on fire and lived my best life? How different would my wife and our marriage be, right? How different would my kids view me? If I was this on fire guy, if I actually did what I said I was going to do, how different would my life be? You know, I'll see if I I'll see if I feel like getting up for the gym tomorrow. I don't really feel like doing this thing today. Eh, You just you you cancel that out when you identify a why, and when your why is stronger than those feelings, uh, you know you're not going to be motivated always. But if you have a deeper sense in something bigger than yourself. It's very much easier to stay on that upward trajectory because momentum is really powerful. You can let that why carry you through.
0: Hey, thanks so much for being a part of the show. Let's continue this conversation. Feel free to connect with me on Twitter where I'm at Craig Shoemaker. So go out and have an amazing day. I hope you get a chance to find someone to love, find someone to forgive and find someone to encourage because we are most certainly not in this alone. And I'll see you again here soon on the Leverage 3 podcast.